everyone, welcome to the Your Pastor Reads Books podcast, a podcast for Christians of all stripes where you'll hear ministers discuss their love of reading and the specific books that are shaping them to be wholehearted followers of Jesus and better givers of spiritual care to others. I'm your host, Heather Weber, and I hope you enjoy our first season of conversations with ministers about the books that they read. you ever had faith for healing but didn't see it happen? Unanswered prayers can sometimes unmoor us. Today's guest, Marissa Price, is an ordained minister with an MA in theology and culture, and she introduces us to K.J. Ramsey's book, This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. Marissa has worked with three church plants across the United States, served with ministries in France and Turkey, and spent years working against sex trafficking alongside some incredible organizations. She loves all things theology and history and prefers to be around people whenever possible, which is why she frequently works her day job from a local coffee shop. Marissa is also the face of the Caffeinated Theologian Instagram account, a digital space where she encourages and dialogues with people who have questions about faith, God, and the church. Today, our conversation takes us from the idea that theology is for everyone to how we should posture ourselves if and when we experience chronic disappointment. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Marissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It is. I'm so excited about this because I kind of get to catch up with you at the same time that I'm interviewing you for the podcast. Yeah, totally. Now, um, listeners may not know, but you were, you, I mentioned in your bio that you had experience with several different church plants and helping them. And you were also instrumental at different seasons of city church. Like you served like right at the beginning, but when we launched and then you were gone, I think you went to France for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you were back during the pandemic. You were like (laughs) a huge part of our online community. Uh, So we, we have been like, sort of like dancing around each other for the last Mm -hmm. seven years or six or seven years. Yeah, that's so true. I like that, like description of it, dancing around each other. Cause that is kind of how it's been and like keeping in touch in the meantime, but Um, yeah, having some really cool seasons together. It's been really, really great. So yes, I've so appreciated them. So Marissa, not everyone we interview for the podcast or I interview for the podcast is like a pastor in the formal sense (laughs) that people might think of in terms of like being on staff at a church or, you know, being in children's or worship or a lead pastor. Um, you are an ordained minister and you have done all kinds of ministry but aren't, you know, in that traditional role of being on staff at a church right now. So tell us a little bit about what ministry looks like for you in this current season uh, of your life when, you know, you're also growing in your education and investing in your education. And um, who do you minister to? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I kind of see it in a a couple of different veins, really. because my job, yeah, is more of a traditional working with clients as a virtual assistant. So I work with businesses and some ministries, but mostly it's been small business owners um, that I have the chance to work with kind of doing their, like doing their marketing and things like that. And so 
you know, it's been a huge shift from doing things like missions overseas or working with nonprofits here or working in a church setting. And so seeing how, like, how how does my ministry look right now? Um, and kind of sometimes almost struggling through that, right. And being like, am I ministering in any (laughs) capacity? Like, what does this look like? And so, um, I think for me, it really came down to seeing ministry as the, the clients, even that I'm working with, um, some of them definitely have different views and, and it's interesting to see how the course over the course of just working alongside these clients, how, um, how topics of faith do come up and, um, and getting to have those conversations with them in a way that's totally not like planned or, or, or pretty or packaged Mm -hmm. neatly or anything, but just doing life with people and kind of getting to see how ministry works out in that, but Mm -hmm. in a, in a more traditional sense, I guess, but still not traditional. Um, I have kind of a blog website, mostly Instagram actually, which is so funny, but, um, ministry called caffeinated theologian, where I've gotten to discuss theology over the past couple of years, really just started, um, started out almost being an outlet for like, as I'm pursuing my, um, master of divinity degree and just like the thoughts that I would have or the things I'm learning. And that was kind of a place to flesh it out. Um, and and then it kind of just growing from there and being able to have those discussions on a little bit more of a formal setting, mm-hmm. like on podcasts or things like that. And that being a way of ministering and just kind of speaking into people's lives virtually, which again, is just like such a different, um, I don't, I think you had during 2020, right. That kind of took off or I think you had online ministry statement of feeling like, yeah, you're like, we're all kind of televangelists right now. Yes. We are all televangelists. Yes. We're all Except just... now we're like digivangelists. I don't know. It's like, yeah, digi- but it's been yeah. really cool to see how, how ministries can operate and reach so many people um, mm. through something like Instagram where, you know, so it, that's yeah. been kind of a fun way to see as like a ministry outlet and the connections I've made there and conversations I've had there um, have just been really cool. So I've been watching from the start and it's been fun to see. So you're a caffeinated theologian (laughs) on Instagram for Uh anyone who wants to find you. And (laughs) one of the things I, you know, I was thinking about how you are able, how somebody would be able to give a type of pastoral care Mm. over a platform like Instagram. And you have this, I forgot what it's called, but it's like confession Wednesday or what's it called? Caffeinated confessions. Caffeinated confessions. Okay. But it's always on Wednesday. And Mm -hmm. by the way, like your love of coffee and theology (laughs) comes out in this, in this uh, account. So every Wednesday you've got, um, caffeinated confessions and you have people, you know, writing to you privately. What are some of the things people have said to you that you have that have just struck a chord and you've been able to offer care uh, to them. Yeah. Well, oh gosh, there have been so many conversations and that might actually be one of the most like fruitful, if you want to call Mm -hmm. it that areas of being able to do this thing online, because yeah, you know, people submit them, um, these confessions and it's anonymous to everybody except for me. Right. So I can see who's writing in and then I can DM them if we want to like start a conversation on the side or, or even just if they want to still just feel anonymous and I'm like reposting what they're saying and trying to offer some sort of insight or encouragement or perspective in something they might be walking through. And 
there has been everything from like silly confessions and like funny things that are just like, oh, I hate when this happens or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, to, to then some really deep and meaningful and really like difficult questions sometimes. And, um, and that's been the really cool part about, about it because like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, somebody had a question that was like, okay, online dating. Um, I can't remember how they worded it, but it was something like, so is there a difference between sexting and just full on like sleeping with someone? Hmm. And if so, like, how do you, you know, like, like, let's talk through boundaries wow. and things like that. Uh-huh. Like, does the Bible talk about, I'm like, well, the Bible doesn't talk about sexting, but we can talk about that if you want. <laughs> and, and so some of these like totally offhand comments wow. sometimes, or, or on the other hand, when, when people will, you know, um, like obviously 2020 was like such a hard year. And then it's, I mean, that hardness has just kind of encompassed last couple of years for so many where things are happening in our culture, in our society, in our country or in our city, you know, and, and people are just struggling with like, man, where's the morality in this? Like, how do we wrestle with this idea or this concept and just being able to offer, I try not to ever put my opinion into it, but I just try to approach conversations with empathy and just say Mm -hmm. like, man, I, I can see how this would be really hard. Like, let's think about Mm -hmm. it this way or, you know, and also just wrestling through, like, sometimes there aren't answers and being able to be totally open with that. But I think the biggest part has just been people feeling like they, like they have someone to listen to them you know, or someone to just hear them out when they're struggling through something. So I think that's been one of the coolest aspects of that for sure. And it's really powerful. I mean, so in case people haven't seen what you do, it's like you might DM and have a private conversation, but you'll also like anonymously post the message that you received Mm -hmm. and also like your response, um, which is generally very empathetic. But I think for everyone who posts or everyone who writes you and you post what they, what they've said, there are probably several other people who are experiencing things like that. Like the things that are notable to me are the ones where people talk about leaving their churches or Mm, leaving ministry or the pain that they have over like their life of faith and community and Um, I think so many people are wrestling with that right now and wrestling Mm -hmm. with the church as they know it and figuring out what it means to stay connected or be connected. Yeah. And if there's even value in that or saying Mm -hmm. like, man, I've been so hurt. Why am I even here? You know, why am I even trying to put up with this? Is this community even worth it? Because I feel like they don't hear me or see me or know me or that I can't be real with them. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's really tough questions for sure. Right. So you are a master of divinity student. You've got a (laughs) full-time job as a virtual Mm -hmm. assistant. You're running this ministry online, caffeinated confessions. You Mm -hmm. also say that you believe theology is for everyone. And so Mm -hmm. can you just like explain what you mean by that before we jump into, to talking about reading and books? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think um, again, kind of over the course of just having this caffeinated theologian page, kind of wrestling through the thought of like, do people always think this is relevant to them? Like we're, sometimes we're discussing really like deep theological concepts and, and sometimes it's not that deep, but like coming to this place of being coming to this understanding, I think that, um, as believers, we believe something about God. 
right? Like by its definition, our faith is that we believe in God. So what do we believe about him? That is what forms our theology, right? So, um, so whether or not you've gone to seminary, whether or not you've ever even taken like a Bible intro to Bible study class or, or gone to a Bible study or church or something like that, you are developing thoughts and ideas and perspectives about God. And that's your theology. And so I believe that theology is for everyone in that as we develop our faith, um, if we're not taking a look um, at those beliefs, those things that we're projecting, maybe our own filters that we're kind of seeing God through, um, it can be damaging to our faith. It can be damaging to others' faith um, if we really don't understand who God is. And so I think it's kind of a responsibility and privilege of every believer to to seek to understand who God is um, for, for our own faith and for others' faith. And so I think that's kind of the hinge that it rests on and saying that mm-hmm. theology is for everyone it, is that we all have a theology, whether or not we're being responsible with those uh, thoughts mm-hmm. and beliefs. So, so to kind of, you know, bring it back and just say, what are we going to do with that? And how are we going to be good mm-hmm. stewards um, of our faith even? Yeah. Like we all have ideas about God, but are we self-aware about our ideas about God? By default, our life will kind of put that on display, but I don't know if all of us can even, yeah, put to words like, oh, what do I think about God? Like, who is God? I like what you said. Everybody has theology, uh, but maybe it's Mm -hmm. unexamined or we don't know it. And I'm thinking a lot about how people tend to respond during tragedy or during Mm -hmm. grief and how a lot of times theology gets revealed. And I don't know how many times you've heard this, but I've heard this a lot, like with the death of someone, well, you know, God must have needed another angel, or Mm. I know that they're here in this room with me. And like all of those things, like really reveal a system of understanding about God and that, you know, the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And but I think they're often unexamined, right? And maybe they're yeah. just ideas that are circulated widely in our culture. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. yeah. So and I'm, even in that example, it's like, it's for the purpose of bringing comfort and peace yes. to someone, right? But mm-hmm. even then, if we're not careful, I guess, maybe in some of those thoughts and sayings and phrases, it's like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, we're, we're just painting a picture of who God is without you. Yes. Even, understanding what we're doing right and yes, the kind like, of theology that we're communicating right, right. cuz yeah. the downside is we're saying god killed your 5 year old because yeah, you right. wanted an angel you know and that's mm-hmm. i don't know how comforting that is yikes we could get into really really yeah. deep stuff with that for sure so <laughs> i among other things brought you on the show to talk about your reading life and yeah. a book that has impacted you lately so mm-hmm. I don't know, like, do you want to talk first about your, how you developed as a reader and how you would describe your habits as a reader and then, sure. and then uh-huh. yeah. into a description of this book that has impacted you growing up? I loved books, but it was always like, like I, some of my most fond memories of my childhood are like right before bedtime, like me and my older sister shared a room. And my parents would always read to us. Usually it was my mom would read to us every single night out of like a chapter, like a chapter out of a book, like 
I think we went through all of the Chronicles of Narnia and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but like those types of books, I think we went through probably all the Laura Ingalls Wilder books and all the classics, you know? Yes. (laughs) And just loved that. So I think um, that probably kind of piqued my curiosity. Um, Going then through by my school age, I really probably didn't care that much um, in my younger years about reading or learning or school Mm -hmm. in general. But it's kind of funny then because obviously I ended up studying theology, which is like 90% reading really um, heady academic books. And so I think just over the course of starting my degree and like, I've always been a really curious person. I love learning. And so that has kind of come through um, in my love for reading. And it's funny how in seasons you go from like the different kinds of things that you're reading about. Um, I'll usually, mine usually is between theology or history. Mm. I really enjoy reading about history. And so, um, yeah, so that's just kind of over the years, I guess I, my dream would be to have like a beauty and the beast, uh, le- level library in my home. Mm. I'm going to be amazing, right? <laughs> books wall to wall oh yeah so anyway that's just a yeah I've always loved reading loved learning and I think that those things are really important um and I had a mentor that used to always tell me readers are leaders which is like the cheesiest Mm -hmm. thing that I've ever heard (laughs) but I was like okay but I get what you're trying to say where she was just communicating yeah to be curious to always be learning to always seek out other Mm. like opinions and um perspectives and how important that is in our self-development and our growth. That's great. And I, and that's something that I've noticed about you too. So you today want to talk about a book by KJ Ramsey. And mm-hmm. I had never heard of KJ Ramsey until two days ago when I was on Instagram and all these or Twitter, I was on Twitter and all these people were like, KJ Ramsey, amazing. Amazing. And (laughs) I just had like a little note to self, find out more about KJ Ramsey. Uh, And I've not read any of her stuff. I never found out more. And then you told me you Mm -hmm. were going to talk about her book. So tell me about her book. Yeah. You know, that's so funny because I literally, I don't think I had heard of her until a few weeks ago. This is a very recent book and find. Um, So it's very interesting. And it actually kind of comes from like our conversation even earlier of saying like, wrestling through faith. And that's just like a really common theme right now with so many people that I know it has been even in my own life. And, and so it's, her book is called this too shall last finding grace when suffering lingers. And, um, I, yeah, I actually even still don't really know that much about her as an author. And so I would love to like discover that more and Mm -hmm. look into her and her background and things like that. But the, the book recommendation actually came to me from um, a friend literally just a few weekends ago. And, and you had already like way before that asked me to be on this podcast. And I had been thinking through like a few different ideas, like, oh, should I talk about this one or that one? Hmm. And just hadn't really settled on one. But, um, I got together with this friend and a couple others. We used to work in ministry, um, a residential program for women who have come out of trafficking. And we were, there's four of us who were coworkers there and are just became really close over mm. the course of a couple of years working there. And since then, over the last few years, have tried to keep in touch by meeting together quarterly, whether it's like nice. via Zoom or in person. And um, just a really solid group of women who love Jesus and who like 
want to encourage and uplift one another in our faith, in life, and just hang out and have fun together. You know, mm-hmm. like everyone needs friends like that, right? Yeah. And we had gotten together um, about a month ago and had this conversation, like literally just hanging out, eating and talking and having a good time. And um, at the end, and this ha- comes kind of from like the season that I've been in over the past, I would say almost year of just wrestling through some things. And, um, and one of the friends goes, so how's everyone's faith doing? Like, how are you guys doing? And like, I had that internal cringe of like, oh no, like, <laughs> do we have to go there to be really mm. honest right now with where I am? Cause, cause that like particular weekend, it had just mm. been like frustrating. Mm. And of course, like that timing, that's how it always happens. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, but this friend brought that up and we start going around, like just sharing where we're at. And I like waited till the very last minute. Cause I was like, can I get out of this? I don't even want to be honest right now. <laughs> I was like the, the pastor, the ordained person in the room mm. is going to tell you that she's struggling <laughs> if she's honest, you know? And so, right. um, and so one of my friends though, made this statement, um, where she, you know, was talking about herself and her faith and things that she's walking through. And she used this phrase chronic disappointment. And Mm -hmm. there was something about that phrase that I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like that named what I was feeling and, um, and in just a few different areas. And so when, when it was my turn and I was really honest and I opened up and I was like, what you said, like just being, feeling chronically disappointed in this Mm -hmm. season, like that's what I've been wrestling with and being like, who is God when I feel disappointed? Like who what is still true about God? If I feel like everything else around me is like, this is not at all what I pictured um, that things would be or things that would turn out or the way that I would feel right now or whatever it is that was going on. And, and so after that conversation, hanging out, I went home and got a text message from one of the, one of these friends from this group. And she said, I think you should read this book. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was the one who recommended recommended this too shall last by KJ Ramsey. And, um, I downloaded it that day and I read it over the course of the next couple, like literally two days and I was done with it. And I was like, just soaking it in because she, and so now kind of like, yeah, I guess move into the premise of the book. Yeah. (laughs) Feel free to interrupt me, but (laughs) oh, this is Um, good. Yeah. So really just, I mean, she is kind of approaching it from, um, her perspective, her, the author's journey through chronic illness and how that has impacted her life and how she's been struggling through that, like, and how the church and really, you know, the, the biggest premise of this book is how the church is dealing with that, right? Like, Mm. how do we deal with suffering? How do we approach pain? How do we approach those things when the people within the church, like we're all suffering and she does a really good job of walking through, um, the fact that it's not just, you know, chronic physical illness, but it can be emotional. It can be mm-hmm. spiritual. It can be mental, like mm-hmm. all these different ways that we can experience suffering and pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how our theology around that has been kind of skewed for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so she goes through a lot of just, um, understanding again, it goes back to our personal theology, right. Of what do we understand about God? How do we understand him to be empathetic towards our suffering? Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately kind of leading us to this theology of Jesus's pain and, and the suffering while he was on earth and not just dying on the cross and experiencing that physical pain, but the fact that he was 
dependent upon the father throughout his lifetime. And so how much more so do we need to be dependent? Um, and, and yet also our need for community and being able to have people who not only will like listen, but who can understand and walk through pain and suffering Mm -hmm. with us and not make it about our faith or morality, Mm -hmm. right? Like so often we talk about pain and suffering and historically, sometimes in the church, whether or not we personally have like heard these ideas, it can come across as if like suffering is a result of your moral failure or, or your sin or something that you've done. Right. And so surely if you can just like work your way out of it, (laughs) everything will be good or God will Mm -hmm. heal you or these things will happen. And so kind of just, um, turning more introspective towards those thoughts and Mm -hmm. saying, what do I believe about that? Because maybe healing doesn't look the way that I thought it would on this earth or, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the messages unintended or intended that I've heard, you know, in seasons of suffering, or I've just seen play out. And, you know, the message that I think maybe we've heard a lot in the church is a variation on her title, which is this too shall pass, right? Like this this will pass, like, no Mm -hmm. worries. This is a flip on the radar. And I mean, I, there are some things in my life that I'm years and years into that uh, like are not going to get fixed this side of heaven, most Mm -hmm. likely. And, and so Yes. So what does it mean then to know that you're going to live with that and, and Mm, know who God is. And so like, does she give any other examples of like core theology that the church has embraced that you were like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. I need to shed that Mm. one. Or, or maybe were you just agreeing? Like she was preaching to the choir. Totally. You know, I I actually wrote down a quote Mm. from her that I was like, oh, this would be really good to share. Um, and kind of speaking more from our perspective as ministry leaders, maybe, mm. and saying, um, and kind of in our theology and in the way, like, are we even addressing pain and suffering? Or are we just saying like, um, you know, kind of those more like, oh, it'll all be worth it. Like, yeah. you know, Jesus will never give you more than you can handle or like things <laughs> like that. Like those like cringy statements that we hear mm-hmm. a lot in the church um, and saying like, okay, so like just you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. and keep going because you'll be fine, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of trying to look over it because pain makes us uncomfortable, you know, and we don't want yeah. to talk about it, but, yeah. um, or if we admit that we're experiencing pain, then it, it means that we're not trusting Jesus enough mm-hmm. or something, you know, like mm-hmm. it always comes back to those thoughts. But the quote that I wrote down from her is she had said with less biblical literacy and connection to the church. Sufferers are untethered from the language, narrative, and practices that can anchor us in understanding, encouragement, and hope. Mm. And so saying like the responsibility of leaders and ministers to basically put language to people suffering and say, to actually address it and speak it, right? And say like, we acknowledge suffering. We don't just gloss over it and say, it'll get better um, because I mean, it will most likely, right. Or, or in God, you know, does heal. And we do Mm -hmm. experience those things sometimes now, sometimes in heaven, you know, like, but, but the fact that it doesn't help us 
when we are walking through situations or when we're struggling with our faith or when we're doing these different things to, to just kind of have a band-aid approach. And so almost just her kind of advocacy for naming it and speaking mm-hmm. to it and giving people the language to say, okay, like I can, I can come from more understanding or I can feel heard and seen and yeah. known and have a community that understands. This is good. And this is heavy stuff. Yeah. I, my brain was going like four different directions while you were talking. <laughs> so I'm like yeah. thinking about all this, you know, you mentioned healing and mm. it makes me think like of all the churches I've been a part of and like all the ministry teams that I've been a part of, like we work really hard to teach people a theology for healing, mm. yeah. um, like that God heals and today. And this is why, but we've never worked that hard to develop a theology around why someone doesn't get healed. You know, mm, like, yeah. you know, sometimes we t- I talk about that, but usually the focus is this is why we can ask God for healing. This is why we can believe in healing. And I think that theology is good and true, but it yeah. doesn't mean someone will always be healed. Right. And, yeah. and, and so how do we carry that? And I, I've, been on prayer teams and ministry teams where like we would see like something happen like physically somebody's body like would change and it was amazing and then like three weeks later they were in tons of pain it does seem like a theology for when healing doesn't take place is needed Mm, and a a practical applied theology of how do you walk with people through that like what you're saying exactly yeah and sometimes again it's like man there are so many things, especially in this like realm of conversation that like, mm-hmm. we may never have a full answer for it. Yes. Right. Cause like you're saying, it's like, we do believe that Jesus heals. We do mm-hmm. believe that God can restore and do all these things physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like I believe those things. And sometimes I haven't experienced that. Sometimes people I know haven't. And so, yes. Yeah. Not letting that impact like the way that you view God, but in a way, like correcting the way that we view God so that we're seeing that as like, okay, right. like healing maybe just doesn't look how I thought it would or, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. hoped that it would, you know, and right. then wrestling through that, like, right. Yeah, as opposed to like, that's coming from, yeah. As opposed to like the constant delayed hope yeah. of like, oh, I think it's going to happen this time I go up for prayer and then it doesn't. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not to say we should necessarily stop praying, but yeah but to be prepared, like with a firm theology of who God is, right. Is what you're saying. I'm just going to get a little bit vulnerable tonight. Cause I, I just feel like this topic is so big and Mm -hmm. touches on a lot of things I've been processing lately. And there are times where the suffering in the world in my orbit, like, or in my sphere feels so great and so profound Mm -hmm. that I I don't even know how to carry that along with the joy, right? Yeah. And yeah. and like as believers, like our task is to live somehow between this now and not yet. Like sometimes we see healings and sometimes mm-hmm. we we suffer with people who don't ever get healed. And yeah. literally two nights ago, I was laying in bed and couldn't sleep because I was thinking about a friend whose mom has had cancer come back and come back and come Mm. back aggressively surgery after surgery. And it's not looking good again. And, Mm. and then I'm thinking, and then my other friend gets to go, you know, 
to another continent to meet her new granddaughter today. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I just remember laying there just feeling like, God, like, how do we, how do we coexist with this? Yeah. Such joy and such suffering at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels impossible sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Because then, yeah. And like, you know, like we kind of said before, it's like without somehow attaching morality to it, because, you know, I, yeah. And that's been even just in my own life of walking through of things that I felt like were promises of like Mm -hmm. what my life would look like if I lived a life that was submitted to God and a life surrendered where I, then I would complain. And this is nowhere on the same level of what you had just talked about, but just mentioning things like, man, I thought that if I did X, Y, and Z correctly, if I sacrificed the way that God Mm. was asking me to, if I just followed his lead and, and, you know, I I've moved overseas and done this and done that. And like, I've done all these things for God, right. Mm -hmm. Quotes, if we want to put those around him (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, um, and sometimes wondering for what, you know, and you say, that's not all the result I thought would end up through this or like seeing other people walk out what they consider blessing in their life and saying, well, why can't I have some of that too? Mm -hmm. Like, why, why haven't I experienced that in my life? And, and, and having to come to the reality of like, that's just, it's, those aren't, aren't probably the right questions, but they're the Mm -hmm. ones that you're tempted to just feel like, why me? You know, <laughs> and I'm yes. not a woe is me person, like in yeah, general. No, but you're you know, not. Just, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds so, me of the yeah. conversation between like Peter and Jesus in the Gospel of John, where uh Peter's uh, I can't even remember how the dialogue goes, but like Peter's like wondering what John's fate is going to be, you know, in mm-hmm. following Jesus. And Jesus is like, What's it to you if he lives until I come back? You know? <laughs> And because like, that doesn't have anything to do with you following me. And that that's a hard load to carry. Um, so you talk about attaching morality to some of these things. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you can just like unpack a little bit more what you mean by that. I, I think what you, I think what you might mean is, uh, attaching like a like the right performance to someone's faith is it say more. Yeah. 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 So basically I I guess when I say that I'm just meaning like, for example, um, saying things like, well, I did this because, you know, God asked me to, I've lived out all of the right, you know, again, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. right ways Mm -hmm. that like, for example, growing up in church, like you're told, um, like the, you almost feel like there's like this list of rules that are like good yes. behavior, the way that you're supposed to live because you're a Christian, like means dot, dot, dot. Yes. And I think like as the global church, I think we're kind of, um, having better conversations about those things now where we're not just saying like, it's all about behavior modification. Mm-hmm. And I think we're being a little more honest about what faith looks like and how it's yes. really messy sometimes. Yes. But I think there's still, at least for people like me, maybe who <laughs> grew up feeling those things and, and was always like the, always felt like I had to be like an example for someone or had to, um, you know, and again, it was because of being in church leadership, literally starting from high school age, wow. I was leading people my age and older. Mm. And so for years kind of having that in my head, and even if you're struggling 
don't let people see it. Like everything that it's, it's all like hidden and whatever, but it feels like what I mean by assigning morality to like healing or something, Mm -hmm. just feeling, meaning like I did the right things. So why is the outcome different than what I thought? Right. Right. So if that makes sense. Well, it kind of reminds me of like the promises, um, that some in the church have made to young people. Like if you stay sexually abstinent until you get married, like sex is going to be amazing. And like, Mm, you're never going to have any problems and (laughs) you can have sex whenever you want to. And none of that is like patently true or guaranteed. Mm, Right. Yeah. And yet there's sort of, sort of this sense of like, if I do X, then Y will happen. And then we get to Mm -hmm. Y and we're not experiencing those blessings that we thought we were supposed to get, you know, and, and then we get, we get mad at God if our theology is skewed. Right. Because it kind of starts to feel like, what's the point then? Right. If faith meant X plus Y equals Z and I'm not experiencing Z, then obviously (laughs) this is pointless. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, why am I even doing this? Like, what, what's the point of faith if it equals not what I thought it was, you know, which again is like just a totally different conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it, it's, we get those like things wired in our brain from a young age. Mm-hmm. If you grow up in the church, right. That you're like, yeah, wait, that doesn't make sense. I was told if I always wore the right clothes, <laughs> right. Didn't show enough skin or if I did yeah. this or what, you know, those things yes. that that means that I'm like faithful. And so God will be faithful too, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it really, this whole conversation we're having, it just, it implies the need probably for all of us to continue just delving deeper and deeper mm, into yeah. understanding and knowing God for himself yeah. apart from yeah. the blessings we think are attached to the relationship or you know that we're expecting mm-hmm. because church culture has told us totally. so in this whole conversation about suffering you read the book it spoke to you how do you think it informs the way that you will quote unquote, like pastor people mm, like yeah. through caffeinated confessions or through the, the yeah. people who reach out to you on Instagram? Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest takeaways is just the importance and the need for leaders within the church and whether or not, again, it's vocational pastoral ministry, but in the people you're doing life with and are ministering to in that way, how critical it is that we're all vulnerable with one another. I think that's maybe even, you know, even just the conversation of how I decided that this was like the book, how it was suggested to me through Mm. this conversation of vulnerability and being like, Mm. I'm there too. And whatever. And having conversations over the past couple of months with people where we're just being open and honest and saying, oh my gosh, you thought that too. Or like Mm -hmm. you, you're there too. Like you're Mm -hmm. experiencing this too. And we just don't talk about it because we feel like it means something is off in our faith or that we're not truly believers if we have struggled with something or if we have um questioned something you know and so that was one of my biggest things taking away from this book too is just saying like man there's so much power in vulnerability with one another as leaders in our community with one another and saying like 
we don't have to walk alone and like put on this face saying like, we're good and faith is perfect. Like I'm reading my Bible every day and doing all the (laughs) things, you know, check off all the list things. And, and, but just to really actually be open and honest and vulnerable with one another. And I think kind of like we talked about at the beginning of of this talking about caffeinated confessions right on Instagram and how even that has been a powerful display of what vulnerability can look like because there's almost always somebody else who can say, yeah, me too. And I needed to hear that someone else is facing that. And and I needed to know that I wasn't alone in questioning Mm -hmm. this or struggling Mm -hmm. with this or facing this thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think we would just do so much better if we would just be honest with one another. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. So really like you're just able to continue to facilitate that, you know, and, and also sort of like put put that on display. Now it's not like, you know, one person to another in a private room, but like, you know who the people are. And so like you have this, this connection that you're able to form with them. Yeah, totally. And these conversations are happening even with friends who like I've grown up knowing, and then, you Mm. know, years later being like, Oh my gosh, you too. Why didn't we, right. why didn't we just hide these things from each other? Like, right. Why didn't we just tell each other? We were all know? wondering. We all wondered. Yeah. Wow. We all and we think we're the only one. We're really yes. not that original, you know? Yes. I was at a concert with a friend recently and there, there was like a Christian band playing that had been around forever. And I was, I never really cared about them, but they mm. were like the headliners. And their songs came on and like every other song was like this horrible <laughs> Christian cliche. It was like, if it's not good, it's not over yet. And oh, just yeah. better days are coming. It'll be fine. And I was like, oh, MG, like I can't even deal. But but she was like on her phone, like searching the lyrics. And I was like, wow, maybe this mm-hmm. is really like ministering to her. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say anything. And short story, we left early. And on the way out, she was like, is that in the Bible somewhere that like, if it's not good, it's not over yet? Because I don't think it is. And mm-hmm. uh, where, where is this coming from? Like, none of this feels like accurate. Not theologically sound. Yeah. It doesn't seem theologically sound. But it was funny because I didn't say anything because I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'm probably the only one, you know, I'm probably yeah. the only one noticing this or wondering. And so I'm not going to like wreck this for her. And it's just to yeah. your point, to your point, we're yeah. never really the only ones. Yeah, we just aren't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so who would you encourage to read This Too Shall Last by KJ Ramsey? Mm. Who needs it? I think. Probably most people just in general could benefit from reading this, but I think, um, you know, on a more, I don't know, I guess if we really want to get into it, people who are maybe people who are physically suffering, right. If you are experiencing Mm -hmm. that like chronic illness, I feel like we hear about that so much. Um, and people who are facing things physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, like it's all those categories, but I would say for the person who is feeling um, maybe despair and distraught mm-hmm. and, and isolation over the pain that you're experiencing, no matter what category that pain fits in, mm-hmm. um, that it would probably be very encouraging to you to read this and to Good. maybe just be able to kind of rethink again, some of those foundational things, what about what we believe about suffering. Um, I think it offers some really, really good insight. That's good. 
yeah, I, I feel like it could be good therapy for a lot of yeah. people and, yeah. and also just helpful theology, as you say. Yeah. Marissa, Absolutely. thank you so much for being on the show and talking about this today. Really appreciate having you. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me. Thanks for joining my conversation with ordained minister Marissa Price and this episode of Your Pastor Reads Books. Check out our show notes for links to the books and articles we mentioned. And if you want to support the podcast in spirit or your bank account, you can subscribe to yprb.substack.com. That's yprb.substack.com. Or for more information about me, my coaching services, and other creative projects I'm working on, you can click around on my website at heatherweber.org. That's Weber with one B. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy a great book today.